Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. This morning we're continuing. It's actually a fourth part of our Advent Conspiracy. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about movies and fruitcake, planners, kidney stones, choosing a name for your children, and joy and impending doom. Okay? There are so many things we love about this season. The whole idea of majesty coming into humility is something that I think appeals to us. It's something that draws us out when we we see that which is amazing and beautiful and powerful taking on the form that is vulnerable and ordinary, but we know there's more behind it. It pulls us into that story. And, And I think that's what we have in this season, the whole idea of Advent, the arriving Have you ever seen a movie that you really like and you want someone else to see it and so you pump it up like, you've got to see this movie, it's amazing. But then those people don't think it's as amazing, right? You're crying through the movie and they're like, yeah, that was okay. And you're like, what? No, that movie changed my life. How can it just be okay? You want them to experience what you experienced in that movie. Right, And you have different tastes. And so sometimes I'll say, oh, you need to see this movie. you know, And, and then Corrine's not as interested in it as I am. And the vice versa happens. I got to let you know that she tells me, hey, do you want to watch this movie too? And I say yes. And then she looks over and I'm on my phone right in the movie. Those things happen. And it's trying to connect people to something that's powerful to you. But it doesn't always connect. It's kind of like, you know, have you ever gotten a fruitcake for Christmas? There's only one in the world, and it just keeps getting handed down over and over again. I'm, I'm sure of it, right? And so if you have it, stop, right? Save us all. Stop giving that fruitcake to everyone. You see, the fruitcake gets passed, but it never gets consumed, right? Because... Who wants it? I actually worked at a bakery for a couple of years and there were fruitcakes that were on the shelf that they would just dust off. They never moved, right? Now, they were in plastic and everything. It's not like they were just sitting there and dust was on them. But it didn't matter. They did not move, right? Because no one wants that. No one's going to consume the fruitcake. And I think in some ways, Jesus has become the fruitcake of Christmas, where Everyone wants to celebrate Christmas, but you don't really want to partake of it. 
We like the holiday, but the idea of Jesus and participating or allowing him to participate in our lives is something that doesn't happen. Jesus passes through many of our lives at Christmas, but not many of us really want to become a part, Jesus to become a part of our lives. And I was having a hard time thinking of what I'm going to entitle this one. We've talked about, you know, faith, you know, this whole idea of living anticipation, living anticipation of faith. We've talked about the songs, the anticipation songs. We've talked about that just uh, slow work of love. And I couldn't call it fruitcake, right? So I'm calling it the movie, right? (laughs) Advent Conspiracy. Living in anticipation, here is the movie. And what's incredible about the narrative that we have of the Advent season, the Christmas season, and what was happening in Christmas, is that this is a narrative that took place long ago in the history of this nation. They all looked forward to the time when the anointed one, which is what Christ means, would come, what we call Messiah, to deliver the people and humanity. And so it was a part of their story and looking back, waiting, longing, anticipating this time that would come. But then when Jesus comes, not everyone wanted to go see the movie. Not everyone enjoyed what was being said. And we're going to see how this arrival, this advent, actually caused a lot of disruption. You can turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 to 24. Matthew writes, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Remember, this betrothal period, betrothal, was like being married. This engagement prior to the marriage was considered at that time to be married, and that's why he considered to divorce her, but he wanted to do it quietly. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not they did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. It's interesting and important that Matthew focuses on Joseph here because it's something that needs to be addressed and how did this man say yes? Because none of us normally, I mean, there are some people would go through with the wedding if you found out your girlfriend came up to you and said, hey, I'm pregnant, but it's okay. Excuse me? 
It's okay because it's God and it's the Holy Spirit. You would have, even if you cared for that person deeply, you would want to talk about it, right? And there's so much that we don't have here. We don't have Joseph's narrative. What did he say to Mary? What's going on? Tell me about this. Can we talk about it? At least tell me the truth. Now, he had to have some understanding of Mary and her character to accept this. I don't think he was just like, well, okay, I had a dream and it's okay. I think he had an idea. This is not like her. What is going on? And this to him seemed to make the most sense. And as the angel appears to him, he does it in a dream, which I think is interesting how dreams have an effect. And especially in that Eastern culture, I remember that Karina and I met this couple who came from Iran and they came to Iran or they came to the United States because they had a dream that they needed to go to the United States to find out about Jesus. And so they miraculously got a visa to be able to go, first of all, to the UK. And then from the UK, they came into the States. And then they went to a church because they wanted to find out about Jesus. That seemed like a long way to find out about Jesus. But they had a dream and they ended up coming to faith in Christ through a church in the United States, all because they had a dream. And so dreams have a powerful effect still to this day on people. I mean, they do with me sometimes. Usually it's like, I'm not going to eat this again, right? But they had a powerful effect on that man, Joseph, as he had this dream. And as the angel appears to him in a dream, he says a couple of things. First of all, he says, Joseph, son of David, which is terrifying. Because he's saying, you, right? I know Joseph, this son of David, he's calling him out by name. And that would be kind of scary. If an angel appeared to me in a dream and said, hey, Sam, Scotty, born of Marlene, right? It's like, I'm talking to you. And then he says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. I think it would be more afraid to the fact that an angel appeared to me in a dream but it's more terrifying to, to take Mary as his wife because of all the implications that was going to happen. Deciding to go through and marry her was actually going to be terrifying. And that decision would disrupt his entire life. Imagine what he had been thinking. I mean, last week we celebrated uh, the wedding with Joe and Lauren, right? It was a great celebration and they're in Hawaii having a great time right now. And it was this celebration. But I, you know, talking to them, knowing them in a year prior when they were, you know, dating and planning all this, there was all this idea of what was going to happen sitting down with them and having some counseling with them and talking to them. What are the things that you're looking forward to? What are the things you're afraid of? All these things. There was so much excitement, right? Oh, I just can't wait. I can't wait. I wonder what dreams Joseph had that just totally got sidetracked, got derailed. We are going to do this and we are going to do this and I'm going to have this family. And instead he has a dream that's terrifying. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because if you do this, everything that you've planned 
is going to be put to the side because this is going to take precedence. The advent of Christ, this arriving, this beautiful romantic tradition that we have, all is calm, all is bright. Baby Jesus, no crying he makes. You know all those, you know, carols that sound so beautiful and so serene, but seldom does it seem terrifying. Seldom does it include the disruption of life that takes place here, but that's exactly what it was to Joseph. Take Mary to be your wife, and shortly after you take Mary to be your wife, an angel comes and says, run, go to Egypt because they're trying to kill you. It's like, oh, okay. And so this is the Christmas story. Welcome, everybody. You want to receive Jesus? Here's what happens, right? This disruption comes into his life. And I think it's important to recognize these things. It's been my experience that whenever I had or whenever I had this experience or encounter with God, it has disrupted my life. And I think it should, right? I think that's something that if we're talking about the one who created everything, we have galaxies that go for billions of light years, right? We, we see stars that perhaps are dead because we're seeing the light that they have passed on light years ago. And we don't know how far reaching our galaxy is. There is dark matter. There are black holes. There are things that there are galaxies that are filled, even as I told you before, with alcohol, which is weird. I don't know why I remember that one, right? But all these things taking place. If that God interacts with your life, shouldn't it have an effect? But some people are just like, yeah, me and God are chill. It's like, what? If God encounters you, I think it's going to be more than chill. I think it's going to be disruptive. And I think when people maybe claim that they are atheist or agnostic, that they don't believe in God, maybe it's because it doesn't make sense if a God exists, he would have an effect on somebody's life more than what they see. And maybe the lack of disruption in our life. It's why people have a hard time believing in God. Because it seems like there should be something different. Now, there's no way that Joseph could have planned this. Are any of you planners where you like to write things down? It's like you write your day down. Here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You write your week down, your year down. You write your life down. You've got it all planned out, right? This is, this is how life is going to go, right? And then all of a sudden, something happens. Joseph did not plan for this future with Mary. This was not his desire. This was not his dream. But it would become his destiny. I often think when people ask a question, they'll ask, you know, when did you accept Jesus? I think a better question would be, when did Jesus disrupt your life? I think that would be a more accurate question to ask if we were actually having an encounter with the Christ. When did your life shift? 
When did things change? When did your dreams, your desires get hijacked, get derailed? When did God come in and disrupt your life? Because that seems to be what he does. Think about this. At the birth of the Messiah, there were three people present, Mary, Jesus, and Joseph. Mary had to be there. She's giving birth. Jesus had to be there. He's being born. The only one who chose to be there was Joseph. Joseph had to choose to be where God was going. And this is what Jesus has come to do, I think. He's come to disrupt our lives so that we could be where God is. So that we can be where God is actually going and where God is doing something. And so it tells us in verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This was his task. Joseph, as the father, was to give him the name Jesus. Now, the derivative of the name Jesus is Joshua, which means to save, which means to deliver. And that's exactly the idea here, that he's come to to save and to deliver. But it was a common name. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to give him a special name. It means Savior. What's your name? My name means Savior. No, it was a common name, just like it is in the Hispanic culture. There's a lot of Jesuses. There's a lot of Marias, right? You go to a Hispanic family, and they might have a nativity in their family already going, right? It's just these names are there, and they have it there. And it was a common name. But you see, the reason it became an extraordinary name is because Jesus lived an un common life so that that name would now have a different meaning so that when we hear the name Jesus, we don't wonder which Jesus we know. Oh, Jesus. Even if you're a person who doesn't have faith, if you're a atheist who don't believe in Jesus, you know which Jesus you don't believe in. It's one of those iconic names that has happened there. And we hear that and we recognize that with other people with iconic names, right? It could be a Gandhi. It could be a Mother Teresa. You hear that name and you know that person because of the life they lived that gave that name more depth, that made it iconic. And so Jesus, you hear that name and it's iconic. And then it's put on there to save his people from their sins. And Whenever you hear the idea of sins, I know if you're here and you don't come here regularly, you go, there it is. I knew they're going to start getting judgmental, start talking about sins. But this isn't a statement that's judgmental. It assumes that we know the condition that we're in. It assumes that we know what it means and what it looks like. I remember talking to someone in the grocery store who was a part of a church that I was a part of 
years ago. And they came up to me and said, how are you doing? Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you. How's the church? Oh, the church is doing great. Yeah, I hear you don't talk about sin. They told me that. I was like, what? What is this? Well, I hear you eat, you know, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, why are you mentioning that? But I kind of knew what they were talking about, but maybe I just don't talk about it in the way that some people think that it needs to be talked about. You see, when it says he came to save their people from the sins, they weren't thinking he was judging them. And if you were to say to someone, you know, Jesus came to save us from ourselves, they might say, oh, okay, yeah, that's power. That's deep, right? But the idea of saving us from our sins, you don't know me. You don't know what my sins are. I'm guessing pride might be one of them. No, I... This idea of sins is something that we put on people. These things that you are doing. And we think of sins like kidney stones. We just have them, right? And then we got to pass them and they're painful. And then uh, we go to a meeting and we're done with our sins. But really, if you think about it, it is a little bit more judgmental to say Jesus came to save us from ourselves because that's something that's intrinsic than from these kidney stones that we have, right? So it's not that he's come to save us from these bad things in our lives. He's actually come to save us from something that is broken within our lives. And the whole idea of sin means to miss the mark, It was a a term they used in archery. If you didn't hit the target, you sinned. You see, Joseph did nothing wrong or would have done nothing wrong if he chose not to take Mary as his wife. He had every right to do that, but he would have sinned terribly. He would have missed the mark and the intention that God had for his life. And see, saving us from our sins is disrupting us many times from the things that are going on and it's calling us to the things that God is doing because we are unable to see those things. We don't recognize the brokenness, right? Have you ever noticed that the things that stick to us are not usually the good things? They're usually the the not-so-good things, the darker things. Neuroscience has told us that to maintain a memory that is beautiful, like a sunset or a time with a loved one, you have to willfully think about that moment for 15 seconds so that it will leave an impression on your mind or in your life so that you can recall that. But if someone says something bad to you, boom, glue, it's there. Why is that? Why is it so much easier to be bitter than grateful? Why is it easier to to judge than it is to forgive? Why is it easier to fear than it is to trust, to be greedy rather than grateful? Why is it so easy? Why do is it like gravity in my life to go to these things? Why do I have to make a willful intention to remember something beautiful so that it will stick, but something ugly and terrible just sticks Jesus came to save us from our sin 
He came to save us from that gravity within that just pulls us to these things. He came to disrupt what these things are in us. And you see, we, we want Jesus to fix the problems of the world. We, we want him to end hunger. We want him to stop human trafficking. We want him to, to do all these things. But we have to understand that the external problems we see are actually just the reality of the internal problems that are within. That it is with what's within us coming out of us that produces these things. And nothing is going to change until we change. And so it's not enough to try and change a circumstance if we're unwilling to change ourself and the causes of these things in these circumstances. And so Jesus comes to bring this salvation. He comes to, to disrupt our lives, to, to change who we are in the world that we live in. And it tells us in verse 21 that she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus, right? That makes sense. And then verse 25, it says, and he gave him the name Jesus, so it makes all kinds of sense. Now, the first time I read through this, I remember reading through this, I came across verse 23 and it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. I was like, what? They're supposed to call him Jesus, right? Anyone else ever read that? Like, no, it's supposed to be Jesus. What are you throwing another name in there for? Right? And the idea Jesus means savior in Emmanuel, it says, means God with us. And it's kind of like, which is it? Why is he given all these different names? And it's such an interesting thing that throughout the Old Testament that the name of God is not to be uttered. They take away the vowel so it, it, you can't actually, or the consonant so you actually can't pronounce it. It sounds more like just breath. And so we put the other way, words or letters in there to give it a, ability to pronounce it. So we call it Yahweh or, or Jehovah. The whole idea is it was letters that could not be pronounced because it was too holy. God is too great to be uttered. I have a cousin who's Jewish and she will write out God and she'll leave out the O because you're not supposed to write the name. I know there's no there, right? I know what you left out there. The whole idea was supposed to be so magnificent. You could not utter his name. It could not be pronounced because God is so great. But then scripture goes on to give God all kinds of names. Right? It's amazing. There's El Roy, which means God who sees. There's El Shaddai, God Almighty. Yahweh Yare, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is our peace. So you can't name his name, but then he has all these different names. Why? Because a name can't contain him. He is bigger than that name. And Jesus is born, but the name Jesus is not enough to capture what's going on. And so the writer is giving the identity. This is the anointed one. He is God with us. And there is no one name that can contain all of who he is. And if we don't understand that Jesus who comes to save us is actually God who's with us, we will miss the point. And so the name Jesus is given 
And then the name Emmanuel is given so that we can have more understanding that this God who saves is the God who is with us. Not the God who is there to bring about condemnation. Saving us from our sin. I think most of us have an idea when things are wrong. They kind of come up within us. And I would bet that most of us have had times where God has spoken to our hearts and most of the time it's happened at times of disruption. Something happens, your life gets shaken and you hear something that you weren't hearing before. I just did a memorial service a couple weeks ago and it always happens at these times. Every time I've done a memorial service, I'm stepping into a time where people are acutely aware of God, acutely aware of life and its frailty and its importance because their life has just been disrupted. You lose someone you love, you lose something or you lose health. These things happen and they awaken us all of a sudden maybe hear the voice of God that we weren't hearing before. It starts to show up in our lives and you think differently. But there's a difference between God disrupting our lives and impending doom. Now, one of the reasons people don't live joyfully is because they are worried they're going to let their guard down. I want to celebrate this event. Oh, this wedding, it's beautiful. I hope he's not a jerk. Right? It's like, oh, I want the best for him, but just in case he's not really that good, I'm going to keep this little thought in my mind of what might happen. Oh, my kids are doing great. Knock on wood. Right? Why? Because, you know, anything can happen. They could start, you know, doing some bad drugs or something like that's going to happen. And so we have this idea of, oh, things are good, but what if this impending doom, right? Any parents out there, you know, you worry about these things, what if? And so your joy is robbed because joy is vulnerable. Joy is open. It's like, oh, this I can bask in this, but it leaves you vulnerable to what if something bad happens. And so a lot of times we have this impending doom. Disruption of God is not the same thing. When God is disrupting his, our lives, it's not, look, things are good. I'm going to make something bad happen. What God is doing is disrupting our life and opening us up to the good that can happen. You see, the life of Joseph was hard. It was difficult. It was not what he dreamed, not what he desired. But it was something amazing. It was something that we are here talking about. It was something he participated in. Have you ever been a part of something that was really wonderful, but just totally exhausting? You do a great work. You help some family out and it's just like, oh yeah, we, we help them out. We help someone move and my back is sore and I'm thinking, oh, that was awful. But that was so good. That was the right thing to do. It was the good thing that I should have done. 
It's an intentionally choosing a life of disruption, allowing God to take our safety, our security, our, our planning and all the things that we want to construct to make things okay and allow him to mix it up and say, God, I'm not in control. Disrupt my life and bring me to what you are doing. Because if that's what I need to get there, then that's what I need. Might not be what I want, but it's what I need. And sometimes this disruption is really what we need. God to disrupt our lives. You know, the idea of Advent, the arriving. Well, if Jesus has arrived, what do we need to do anymore? He's already come. What's, what are we waiting for? Maybe we need to come to an awareness that his arriving was actually wanting to do something in us. Maybe God is waiting for us to arrive, waiting for us to arrive and live into his kingdom, awaken to the future that we are living toward. What if everyone in the world cared about what God cares about? What if he disrupted our lives so much that we loved others more than we loved ourselves? What if he disrupted our lives so that it was more important to see the needs of someone who was with need met than it was to get a new iPhone? What if God disrupted our lives so that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven became our mantra became our way of living what if he disrupted our lives so much that like joseph we chose to go where god was going instead of where we had in mind to go what if God invited us to watch the movie and it really was a good one. Let's pray. Lord, I don't like disruption and the idea of Christmas and disruption, well, they kind of go together. It's such a chaotic season. But Lord, not usually in the ways that concern you. And so, Lord, I pray that our lives would be disrupted. And maybe, Lord, we have been at church and been in this conversation for years, but we're finding that our lives have never been disrupted. We believe in you, but we've never participated in what you are doing. Maybe our Christianity has been one that's safe and comfortable instead of one that is extending, taking us places where we wouldn't go, doing things we wouldn't do, becoming people that we would not become unless we allow that disruption to take place. And Lord, if there is 
that happening within us this morning. We're, we're feeling a sense of disruption. We're feeling a sense that you are speaking to our souls. There is something wrong within us. We can't put our finger on it. It's not a sin we can name, but it is ourselves that are deaf to your voice, that are blind to your will, that are numb to your spirit. And you've come to save us from ourselves, from our sin, from this brokenness. But to do that, there has to be a change. There has to be a disruption. There has to be a moving from one place to another. And Lord God, I I pray that you disrupt our lives. I pray that we welcome that disruption. I pray, God, that we lean into it and it changes us forever. May this Christmas be a season of disruption. May we quit going with the flow. May we make a stand and say, I'm not going to consume anymore. Instead, I'm going to give what matters. Give of myself. And I pray we would do that, Lord. I pray that our lives would be reason for people to believe in the God who came and who is with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. May you not be terrified at the disruption that God brings. May the Jesus who is the Savior be the God who is with us. And may you allow that disruption to move you from where you are to where God is moving. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you next week for our Christmas celebration. Thank you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.